If you have your Bible, you can open up to... We're going to spend some time today in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me read this, then we're going to pray, and then we're just going to dive in for a little bit here, okay? Here's what it is. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God. Holy cow, I could preach just on that. I'm barely going to touch on it today. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal. How is he doing it? By going on on TV every night at 6 o'clock and making his appeal to the world? No, he makes his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, look at this, this is one verse you could preach on. For our sake, he made him to be sin, that's Jesus, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Uh, Today is our last day of doing the text in your questions thing. We've been doing that through the summer. If you have questions about today's worship in general or the message today, text in your questions to the number up, up, up on the screen, and we're going to try to engage those questions a little bit at the end of the service today. Uh, just quickly, I'm not promising an answer, but I'm kind of promising to engage it at least. Maybe the answer will be, I don't know. Um, but we're going to engage those. This is kind of the last day of that for now. I mean, you can always ask your questions, sending them to our email and always willing to meet up for coffee and all that kind of stuff. But through this series, this will be the end today. Let me pray. And then we're going to dive into this. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to hear from you today, to hear your word as you speak to us um, from 2 Corinthians, as you speak to us through some other portions of scripture that we're going to look at. I pray that you would stir us up to the things that you have for us today. Help me, God, to simply share what you want heard, not a word more and not a word less. Speak not only to our ears, Lord, but to our hearts. And come and do that work now that only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been in a series that we've been looking at growing in our faith, Uh, growing in our spiritual kind of relationship with God and also helping other people grow in their faith. And and some of you, today's the end of that series. I'm really excited about our series starting off next week. But, But as we bring this series to a close, some of you might be asking something like, well, I don't, I don't feel equipped enough yet 
to do some of the stuff that we've been talking about this summer. I don't feel ready enough. And so you might be feeling like, I I need another Bible study, or I need another book to read, or I need to get smarter, I need to know more information, or something like that. And today what I want to focus on is trying to land the plane around this idea of spiritual maturing, us growing in our faith, but also helping walk with other people in growing in their faith. That's that discipleship continuum that I've been talking about all through the summer. If you're kind of new today, you really got to go listen to some of our messages at thedwellingtx.org, and you can kind of follow where we've been going up to today. But how I want to land the plane is by focusing on like the single the single kind of most important maybe thing you can do as you come alongside other people, what's that going to be? Is it a particular book that I should read? Is it more Bible stories I should memorize? What do you, what's the single most important thing that I could do to to help other people, to actually walk with other people? Now, what I'm about to say isn't like, this perfect sentence or something like that. There's other ways to say what I'm about to say, but something like this would be something that I would suggest is the single most important thing you can do to walking alongside, discipling other people. And and I say it kind of like this today. The single greatest thing you can do is daily remember that God is loving you, a sinner. To daily remember that God is loving sinful you. Now, you might be kind of thinking, now, what what do you mean by that? Well, that's what we're going to unpack a little bit today. I want you to see in our text... In our text today, a couple things were said about those who are in Christ. Um, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's, you could talk about that all day. If if we're in Christ, um, we've been reconciled. We've been forgiven. It says that right there. It says, not counting our trespasses against us. We've been made ambassadors representatives of God himself. Now that's a lot to be said about us, right? And all of that is kind of, is kind of taking in this idea that God loves us that much, that he would reconcile you, that he would allow you to be his ambassador. I mean, just meditate on that one for a while. That he would forgive you your sin, not count your trespasses against you. I mean, that God would love you this much. And not only has loved you, but that he's loving you that much. And daily coming back to that reality... That he actually loves you. Not because 
you've got life so figured out, not because you've really cleaned up, but actually in spite of the fact that you are a sinner, you're broken, you don't always make the right decisions, we could reflect on just this last week alone. We could reflect on just the, the basics of the Ten Commandments. And this past week, this group, I mean, to reflect on where we misstepped this past week, it'd be embarrassing. I mean, to hand the microphone around and say, go ahead, you share, you share a little bit, you share a little bit, you share a little bit. That wouldn't be very fun. And in spite of that reality, God is loving you. Um, a phrase that kind of came into my mind is something like living loved. I think I've maybe even preached on that phrase before. Living, my life living, lived out, loved, live loved. That, that reality is, I think, the single most important thing you can do day in and day out as it pertains to discipling other people. See, in the church sometimes today, I think we've disconnected my changed heart and life from then a second thing I'm supposed to do, but it's way over here, and that is disciple other people. But there's, it's like there's a disconnect. I'm supposed to talk about over here the time I got saved and I get to now go to heaven and I don't have to go to hell. And then there's over here this thing like I'm supposed to go love people and take, you know, disciple people and all that. But it's like there's a disconnect. And what I want to do today is show you that in order to do this, which is what we've been talking about all summer long, discipling our kids discipling the people that are in our lives, maybe our spouse, discipling the people at, at, at work. What does that look like? And if right now you're like, what does discipling mean? Well, that's when you got to go back and listen to some of our messages. But to come alongside people and to help grow them in their spiritual walk, one of the most important things you bring to the table is actually your life and the, the reality of your life experiencing God's love. See, we struggle with this because in the West, we've turned Christianity primarily into knowledge. Something that I'm supposed to know. This is like, even that word know, I, I know something. We've kind of made just a mental uh, cognitive, I'm able to reason something out. Now it is that too, but it's also and can be bigger than that. It can be experience and life lived. So sometimes we turn discipling people into just me getting the right answer to somebody else so that they know the right answer. But that's not what discipleship is. Discipleship, I mean, there's some of that, but discipleship is also the experience of our lives. And I'm going to show you that. If you're lost, it's okay. I'm going to founded you in a second. Look at this. 
Look at 1 John chapter 4. Let me just take you to a couple scripture verses. I want you to see the connection between needing to experience God's love and that connection to then discipling and loving other people. And I want to show you that scripture talks about this all over the place. 1 John chapter 4 verse 10. In this is love. So he's going to tell us what love is. Not that we loved God. I love that. Not that we're so great and we love God. No, no. What is love? Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, those of you who are so loved by God, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Do you see the connection between experiencing the reality of God's love Knowing it to be true, and not just knowing it, but knowing it to be true is going to directly connect to then the ways in which we pour out to the people around us. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Walk in love as Christ loved us. That's how I want you to do it. Well, the only way to do that is to first experience and know the reality of his love for me. Look at John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Um, Luke chapter 7, verse 47, this is a story that unfolds, but Jesus ends up saying this statement that I think is cool. He who is forgiven little loves little. Do you see the connection? Until you recognize how much God has loved you, how much he loves you, until you recognize how much he has forgiven you, that will directly correlate to the kind of, it's going to impede the discipleship to other people that you want to do. I mean, think of the message of the cross. That Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. That he rose from the dead. And now wants you to be an ambassador of him. To be an ambassador of that reality. Well, what is it as an ambassador that you... What's your strongest thing as an ambassador that you bring to the table as you begin to ambass on people? What is that thing in you that you got that you're going to ambass on as the ambassador? Is it that you're really smart and know a bunch of stuff about the Bible? Listen, the, Satan himself, and this is a guess. I don't know if this is true. This is a guess, and I think it's a good guess. Satan himself has the Bible memorized. I don't know why he wouldn't after this much time. You know what I'm saying? It's not like anywhere it tells me that, but I'm thinking, I'll bet you that guy, that little son of a gun's got the Bible memorized. So it's not like you gotta, it's not, that's not the thing. Although that's not bad, having the Bible memorized or having a bunch of Bible passages, that's great. But what is, as an ambassador, that you most bring to the table as we're 
trying to land the plane of walking alongside people to help them grow in their faith. Is it not that your heart has been changed? Is it not that you have experienced yourself the John 3.16? Not just that John 3.16, for God so loved the world, but that you've experienced, for God so loved me. He actually loves me. And you look at your life and you're like, how? I'm a sinner. I'm the chief of sinners. But yet he still loves me and he still wants to forgive me and doesn't count my trespasses against me. And he wants to, he has reconciled me and he wants me to be an ambassador for him. And when I daily experience and remind myself of that truism, I think that's the greatest thing that you can take with you into the day. As ambassadors, the most important thing we bring to the table is our own changed heart. What he, what he, this is why I use the word loving me, because what he is doing in my life, the experience of what he's doing in my life, the reality, see, Paul even says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, you and I are to be pitied more than anybody else. Our hope is centered on Christ risen from the dead. What does that mean? That means that Christ is alive. Jesus is alive right now. He's he's alive. He's not like dead over, you know, thousands of miles away over in Israel, like dead in the grave and we worship in some spiritual floaty kind of way. Jesus is alive. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. And so now what? He's alive and he's just way far away? No, he ascends to the Father. He tells us why. So that he might send the Spirit into our hearts and into our lives. So he doesn't go away or seem like a way to get further away. He does that. I've preached this a bunch of times already. He, he ascends to the Father to actually draw closer to us. And now he's, he's with us. He's in us. And Christ in us, alive, working, loving, forgiving, reconciling, using me to offer that to others as an ambassador. What we bring to the table isn't so much knowledge as it is the experience and reality of that love every single day. This is not... This does not have to be warm, fuzzy feelings. This is what I said earlier. I can tell somebody tomorrow that Jesus came and met me today in church. Are you following me? That doesn't have to be some experience like, whoa, he spoke to me. That can be cool. Some of you have experienced it. I'm not downplaying it. I am just saying I can come receive where he promises to be, receive his body and blood. I can hear his word. I can open it up tomorrow morning at six o'clock and say, God spoke to me. I can say stuff like that and it not be like, ooh, floaty stuff. No, it's just the reality of him. And where he's promised to be. And I can daily experience that. 
It doesn't have to be like the one big thing in my life when I was driving down the road and I heard the audible voice. That's cool. But I'll be the first to admit, I've never had that happen for me. Some of you've had, and that's cool. And for some reason, God's wanted to grace you with that, and that's great. But I've never had that, but that doesn't mean, one, I get excited for the day, maybe that will happen. That'll be cool. Oh, God does have a Sean Connery kind of voice, you know, or something like that. I don't know. It'll be interesting. But I can wake up every day and experience his word. I can wake up every day and be reminded of his forgiveness. I can recognize that God is loving me daily. He's alive. And that That is what I think is the single greatest thing we bring as we connect with our kids, as we connect with our spouse, as we connect with our neighbor, as we connect with our coworker. I'm challenging you deeper than you even recognize. See, a lot of you think to grow in terms of your ministry efforts at your work, you think you need to know the Bible more. Well, here's the deal. You probably do need to know the Bible better. So I'd encourage you with that. But what what you're potentially bringing more than you realize to the discipleship mix is you're bringing maybe something like this. You might be bringing something like Christianity is about looking good and doing the right thing for people. And so I'm going to subtly bring that into the workplace that, that I'm a good person. I try to be a good person. And, and I'm going to, in my life, share that kind of with the people around me. See, that's potentially not helpful. What might be better is to bring subtly into the workforce and into the maybe coworkers is something like, I'm the biggest sinner in the room because you already know that about me. See, actually, that's something we can agree on probably is you know my sin, you know I'm broken, you know I'm messed up, you know about all that stuff already because we're, we're constantly together. This is why husband and wife, you guys get this because you might not feel like a sinner. Just ask your spouse if you are. They know you are because they, they know how messed up you are. So maybe what we bring to the table is our, as an ambassador isn't, we're, oh, look at us. Maybe as an ambassador, what we bring to the table is Golly, I'm the most screwed up, messed up person on the planet. And yet God still loves me and forgives me and doesn't hold my trespasses against me. And he continues to want to use me. And he continues to work and operate in my life every single day. I got met by him yesterday when I received his body and blood. I was, I was met with him this morning as I opened up my Bible and heard from him his voice. Are you following me? That's maybe the stronger stuff that you bring to the discipleship table. I want to read to you this. I've already quoted from this book a little bit. My wife and I, we're reading this book right now called Joining Jesus as a Family. 
Uh, this guy has a book out called Joining Jesus on His Mission that we give to everybody at the dwelling when they go through our core class here. He just wrote this book, Joining Jesus as a Family. And I wanted to read to you a quote that is, he's writing it in connection with parents to kids, but I think it, it could relate to people and just people. And this is what he says. He says, the kind of, listen to that, the kind of, the kind of Jesus follower, not so much what you know, the information in your brain, the kind of person, the kind of Jesus follower you are. That's all of you. That's just not the stuff you write down. That's your whole life. That's how you're behaving. That's how you're living. That's behind closed doors. The kind of Jesus disciple you are, Jesus follower you are now is deeply affecting the kind of Jesus follower your kid will become. Now that's not, that's not this all-encompassing thing that I want you to feel bad about if you've got already kids who are older and you're making this connection to, man, I really screwed it up. Be careful with that. Because there's a couple things, you know, nuances that would need to be said to that. One, your kid's gonna do some of the things they're gonna do. They're gonna, they're gonna make their own choices. Two, you may have messed up, but even that's forgiven. Isn't that cool? You may have screwed up and, 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 and wasn't the right example for your children. And maybe you make the direct connection. And if the Lord's putting that conviction in your heart, maybe that's true. Even that can be forgiven and redeemed and restored. So I want to speak that out to today. But I don't want to miss what he's simply saying here, that the kind of Jesus follower you are, what you're living out, what's being experienced in the home, this is deeply affecting the kind of Jesus' follower. And here's my, here's my little move. Not only your kids are going to become, but your coworkers, your spouse, your neighbors. Do you understand what I'm saying? That the single greatest thing we can do each day is wake up and remind ourselves how loved we are by God, even as sinners. And to actually believe that to be true, that he would love me that much. Look at this quote here. As it talks about how do we turn knowledge of what is true into conviction of what is true, the answer is to help them experience the very thing they are being told to believe. You following that? That's, that's deep there all of a sudden. But as we come alongside people and tell them, this is what you should believe, are they coming up against people that are experiencing that? So if you tell somebody, for example, Jesus loves you and he loves even the worst of sinners, Okay, that's great, but are they experiencing that reality? You can bring that to that situation. You bring, yeah, it's me. I'm the chief of sinners, and God even loves me. Helping our kids see that reality, experience that reality on a regular basis. It shapes the way we talk about things and do things. 
What we're saying and what we're doing actually line up. This is why this next month, we're going to every week in this next series, we're going to provide a, a video of a testimony of somebody within our congregation. If you get a call from Jackie Rathgaber, maybe you don't want to pick up. <laughs> She's on the hunt. She's looking. Uh, but we're going to be hearing testimonies from people in our church. And the questions that we're trying to ask are not this. The questions we're not trying to ask are, where did God work in your life 20 years ago when you were in the gang and the guy put a gun to your head and then the angel swooped in and then some miraculous, amazing thing happened? Some of you have cool stories like that, and that's cool. But the question I'm really after is this. Where did you see God work yesterday? Where have you seen God work last week? Are you following me? See, God's alive and well. He's working and rocking and rolling. And what I want us to understand is that God is still doing stuff. He's still loving you daily. And he shows that all over the place. What actually concerns me is last week's message, the parable of the sower, because of the cares and the concerns of this world, some of us are being choked out. And we're starting to miss the work and activity of God in our every single daily lives. We're not looking for just the one big experience that God gives to me. There's just sometimes years and years and years and years of God's simple, steady faithfulness. His just love and love and love and love. Actually, I would encourage you to read the Old Testament like that. See, you get to read from one chapter to the next chapter and the next chapter, and it seems like God is just blowing and going. But you miss the fact that for 40 years, Moses was out in the wilderness. You miss the fact that after that, you know, you miss the fact Abraham, God comes to Abraham at 75 and then he doesn't come and give the covenant of circumcision for another 25 years. What is, just God's ever, never ending daily faithfulness and love to you. That's what you bring to the table more than anything else. Your cool story where God showed up and stuff, that's cool. Use that, share that. I'm not down in that. But people also need to hear that God showed up yesterday morning when you were sitting on the couch and you opened up his word and you read Ephesians chapter two and it, changed, it spoke to you and it said something to you and it spoke to your day today. Don't miss that. God is loving you. God's loving me every day. Daily remembering this daily remembering that he loves you in spite of your sin, that he went to the cross for you, that he rose from the dead for you, that he's ascended to the Father and has now granted the Spirit to you, that he will one day return for you, daily waking up and reminding yourself of that. That, I think, is the single greatest thing you can do on a daily basis as it pertains to now you extending that as an ambassador to the people around you. A great place for this. <laughs> this isn't in my notes. This is how I'm gonna end. But I gotta say this. I told myself it was gonna be a short message today, but listen. 
Psalm 51. Check this out. This is, David is asking for repentance. I, I, we sang this. I grew up in a really liturgical church where, the, you know, you pretty much do the same thing week after week after week. Psalm 51, we said this almost every week, but they always missed verse 13. Listen. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. All that's great. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. We chanted this stuff week after week after week. Cool. They never said verse 13. And it's, it's not saying verse 13 that starts to create the disconnect. Verse 13 says, Then... I will teach transgressors your ways. Then I will teach this. Then I will get to share this with other people. So what is David saying there? He's saying, when I experience the love and forgiveness of God in the worst of situations, the guy just murdered a guy. He had an affair. He basically took his kingdom into sin. I mean, the guy just messed up all over the place. And now he's saying, I'm the worst of sinners. And he's pretty bad there. And now he's experiencing the forgiveness of God. And David makes the connection. Then that changed heart is going to extend out. I'll be an ambassador. It'll be an extension out now to other people. Then others will get to hear this incredible news. That's what you bring to the table. That's what you bring to the table. I know know, in our Western society, we're kind of in awe of the people who, who know a bunch, who, you know, know theologically all the right words. That's cool stuff, and that's, that's great too. But maybe what you bring best to the table is you're the biggest sinner in the room, and God loves even you. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. It's arguably the single greatest thing that you bring to the table. Being a sinner who's loved by God, living loved every day, experiencing the reality of his grace, not in goosebumpy kind of ways, but in the ways and in the places where he's promised to be. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you promised to be in this room right now. Why? How do we know that? Well, you say, where two or more are gathered in my name, there am I too. And so we can know that even today we've experienced the miracle of your presence. Holy cow, that you would come into this room and not extend bolts of lightning and zap all of us, but instead that you would come and draw us near to yourself, calling us to be your sons and your daughters, princes and princesses in the kingdom. We have the keys to the kingdom. God, that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have access to everything in you and through you. Holy smokes. Help us to not miss that. I pray especially for that person who thinks that they bring nothing to the table. Help them to see and realize that even in their, even in their, what feels like nothingness, what they're bringing is your love. Let that be known to be true for them. Let that be an experience and a reality that they know to be true. And let that then extend to the people around them. Starting already this next week. Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the gift of faith. 
Thank you for your promises of where you want to be. Stir us up to take the next steps you're calling us to take. We love you, Jesus, so much. We love you so much, Jesus. Amen.